Hey, uh, Brat. Yes, Greg. We don't have to be here. Oh, Proclamation good. from the mayor of Winnipeg. I hereby proclaim Monday off. I don't actually have the power, but don't tell your boss it. It might work. Well, yeah. It's a mayor. nice day. So the mayor says, hey, take the day off. So Jeff Forte, you're on your own, man. McGarry and I are out of here. We're going to hit a patio, I think. <laughs> no, we can't do that. The mayor, of Bri- the mayor of Winnipeg goes on Twitter and says, take the day off. <laughs> I, as the elected official, the elected leader of this city, say you can take the day off. Yep. I know it's just for fun, but hey-o. Hey-o. How's your weekend, man? I came to a realization over the weekend that the last two weeks or so have been really unhealthy. It's come to a point where like, I need to buy new jeans because... My one set of jeans, one of the belt loops on the back is falling off to the point where I think if I, the next time I wash them, they will just sever that cord and the belt won't hold anymore. But I don't have it. I have like five pairs of jeans, but only two of them fit. And I, I, I know that I need to go out and buy a pair, but I don't want to because if I just lose some weight. You don't want to give in. No. but okay. And the last two weeks haven't helped because I was off the week prior to last. So naturally my diet said goodbye. <laughs> At least my healthy diet said goodbye, and I was really unhealthy. And uh, and now I'm, I'm looking at myself and kind of feeling, whoa, I need an emergency deflate. I went to see Billy Gardell last night. Yeah. Uh, the Mike half of Mike and Molly. Uh, he was very funny last night, thanks to the folks at the uh, Club Regent Casino for their hospitality right now. Got to meet him before the show, and uh, Tristan and I had interviewed him last week. And I reminded him, I guess it was two weeks ago already, I reminded him of that. He was like, oh, I remember that interview. We've enjoyed that very much. Thank you so much. Super cordial. Really enjoyed meeting him. Uh, the guy that opened for him, his name slips my mind right now. And he was he was talking about, he's a little bit heavier. Like, I mean, he's, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, yeah, the light came on for me the other day. I was walking down the hallway and into my bathroom. And there's that big mirror. And I looked myself in the mirror, rubbed my tummy. I looked at it. He said, I got to get rid of that mirror. (laughs) (laughs) So that reminded me of that joke from last night. So maybe get either get rid of the mirror, get a new pair of jeans, or you just might have to get serious about this. There there are really only three options that you have at this point. Well, that's the frustrating thing. I've, I have been, there have been more days this year where I have walked to work than driven to work, and yet... Yeah, yeah. But my diet, uh, clearly, in the last... Especially the last two weeks, has not been acceptable. And, I, of course, the whole fact that I'm getting older as well means it's even harder to keep the weight off, so I just need to, like you said, get serious and do all that stuff that isn't fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we need to work out before we come on the air. Anyway, we can talk about that. Hey, uh, you don't do the Snapchat, right? I asked Cal, but I didn't ask you. If you do Snapchat, I know you're on the Instagram. I am on the Instagrams and the Facebook, but but not on the Snapchats. Well, uh, this ghost mode thing has us kind of freaked out. Uh, We've actually just been playing around with it in the newsroom in between our visit with Hal and now. And there's a serious situation traffic-wise on Highway 17, Trans-Canada Highway in northwestern Ontario. And you go on the map, and it's like a hotspot. And you can go and you can see... Those people that aren't in ghost mode, you can see the videos that they've taken of what's going on on Highway 17. That's so, kind of neat. That Which is neat for us, 
but you may be unintentionally sharing with others your exact geographic location. You may not want to be doing that. So if you have Snapchat and you've downloaded recently the last update and you haven't put yourself into ghost mode, it means you are sharing with everyone in your circle exactly where you are and you're sharing with everyone your uh, your feed. And this is a uh, new feature called Snap Maps, I believe. And it is, I mean, a young one of our youngest colleagues here, Austin Siragusa on Saturday, he's, of course, on Snapchat. And he showed it to me and said, this is a, going to be a privacy nightmare. Look at this. And he holds his phone out and he zooms in and he says, this, this is where all these people are. See this person? This is the house they're in. Yeah. So if you, I think in this age of hyperconnectivity, it's kind of neat. And I do see some practical applications, like, for example, you're a parent and your kid's on Snapchat, then that way you know where your kid is at any given time. But so does anybody else who is following that person on Snapchat, especially if there's somebody who, what if somebody has decided, I'm going to stalk mm-hmm. this person? Mm-hmm. And they could be in your social group, right? The likelihood of someone stalking you, quote unquote, is more likely within people you know than a complete stranger. Yeah, and we I don't want to be the the sort of the typical media jumping to the fear-mongering thing, but this is the reaction that that is out there and we're just sort of echoing the reactions that are out there. So we'll talk a little bit about that at 2:30 the headline does Snapchat tell when you look at someone's location on SnapMap? Yes it does, and it's kind of freaky. I'm glad I'm not on it, I guess. So I know you uh... You don't have kids. Don't I don't have, have to call. But um, could you imagine having a situation where something's pretty important to you, like a university class, and maybe you're a, a younger adult with kids or a child, and you typically have a babysitter. Babysitter says, uh, you know what, Brett, I'm not going to be able to make it today. What do you mean you can't make it today? I've got a you know, psychology exam or I've got something that's super important going on at school. And you email your professor, and the professor says, no problem. Never done this before. I don't want you to miss this class. Bring your kid with you. Happened in Tennessee. A professor in Tennessee, in Knoxville, Tennessee, has a solution for a student who missed a class after she could not find someone to babysit her three-year-old girl. Just bring the child to class. Professor Sally Hunter at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville emailed Morgan King that she would be absolutely delighted to hold King's daughter, Corbin, while teaching class. Quote, I'm very serious with this offer. Just bring Corbin with you, says the professor, excusing the student for missing a class. King later posted on Twitter that she cried with gratitude, and her professor's email wound up being shared widely on social media, even by the chancellor, Beverly Davenport, who wrote, Morgan, thanks for showing us challenges college students face. Professor Hunter Thanks for being part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I read this story Saturday afternoon when I was on the news desk here at 680 CJOB, and I thought, what a, that's a heartwarming little story. That's a great way to find a happy medium, right? There's probably no rule that allows it. There may even be a rule that prohibits it. Yep. But someone, very thoughtful, professor decided no. I don't want this to get in the way of my students' learning, and we're going to make this exception. Now, of course, the fear is for some people that this opens Pandora's box, and now suddenly people may take advantage of this professor's kindness. But 
I think we can all agree that this is a, a unique solution to a situation that pops up every day for uh, people listening. I know there's somebody home from work today right now listening who is not sick, but their kid is sick or their babysitter is sick and they had to alter their plans for childcare and have had to dramatically alter their plans for the day. Yeah, and you're right, with Pandora's box. So does this mean then, for example, in this professor's class, does anybody, anybody with children, any students who have kids, does that mean they can just bring their kids to class now? Is that sort of a free-for-all, as Hal suggested? Or what about, are, is, are we moving toward that kind of a society at work where you can't find a sitter? Well, just bring your kid to, to work all day. And do you think that's part of the fear of institutions, organizations, businesses giving a little bit on something like that once in a blue moon in fear of people taking advantage of your generosity and your kindness as an employer, as an educator, and that people are going to see this now as open season, as permission to now, huh, I just get rid of my daycare altogether. I'll just take my kids to school with me. (laughs) That's clearly not the intention, but that may be the reason why some people do not accept extend this sort of courtesy on a regular basis in fear of it being taken advantage of because uh, we have kindness at the core of our being, I think, from time to time, but we can be really, we can really take advantage when those considerations are extended to us and, and we can be our own worst enemies on that front. And then Saturday night, I find this story on Facebook that is sort of is along the same lines in terms of flexibility uh, with kids and maybe the changing face of our society. And the headline is, Australian Senator Breastfeeds Baby While Tabling Motion in Parliament. This is a story that was on globalnews.ca. Video of an Australian senator breastfeeding while moving a motion in the country's federal parliament is showing how new mothers balance work and family. Larissa Waters, as a Green Party member from Queensland, rose in Parliament on Thursday to put forward a motion on black lung disease, all while holding and feeding her 14-week-old baby, Alia Joy. And she tweeted, First time I've had to move a Senate motion while breastfeeding, and my partner in crime moved her own motion just before mine. Bless her. So, I mean, you can read more of the news, or more of this story at globalnews.ca. So I sent it to Greg and said, I think we can talk about this, because... I think, I don't know, I, I think there are still a lot of people who would be really uncomfortable with this. Others are, are perfectly okay with it. We already got one text message from Faye at 204-780-6868 who was listening to us just before Global News at 1 o'clock talking to Hal Anderson. And Faye says, regarding breastfeeding, the answer to, is there a time and a place? The answer is unequivocally yes. The time is when the baby is hungry and the place is wherever parent and child are legally allowed to be. So I said to her, I, I'm just going to be, let me play devil's advocate. Why can't mom and baby? Now, I am I am not, I don't think I actually have a problem with it. I was watching the video, people were smiling. It just, to me, it does seem like a natural thing. But, for the sake of what we do here, we got to sometimes play devil's advocate. So I said, why can't mom and baby go find somewhere private to do it? Faye says, why do you feel that's necessary? We, humans, are social animals who eat together. Fair point. If a breastfeeding mother offends you, don't look. 
There is absolutely no reason someone should have to hide to feed a baby. That's what breasts are for. There are no animals who separate from the herd to feed their young. Why would we be any different? I can't agree with Faye anymore. I think she expressed herself in exactly the way I would like to on this topic. I think it's absolutely a perfect retort to your question. And and it is a good retort, Faye. And I'm not suggesting that it is necessary, but I think if there are certain things, yes, it's a natural human function. You know what else is a natural human function? There's a children's book called Everyone Poops. We all do it. And I know it's gross to even say the word. Oh, my goodness. He just made reference to that. But we all do it. We all have to go to the washroom. It's a <laughs> perfectly natural human function. Uh-huh. But you put your finger on it right there. To the washroom. There is a specific room in every building. And sometimes they're not even inside a building for you to do exactly that. But they... That's the the point. It's a perfectly natural function mm-hmm. that is a part of life. We all do it, and there's a and specific we, we, room for it. So that's so. Why not have a room for this kind of thing then? Why does the breastfeeding have to be out in the open and perfectly because it's natural, and yet we have to run away to go to the washroom? I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that this senator drop her pants and go to the washroom in in the Australian Parliament, but. I don't know. I'm just, again, I'm playing devil's advocate here because to suggest that one is perfectly natural and should be acceptable wherever and whenever, but then to say, well, no, no, you got, you can't do that just in public. You got to go to the spot that is designed for it. Yeah. Well, the uh, f- food court at the mall, that's where you and I may go to have lunch. Hundreds of others may go there. Why is it okay for baby to have lunch in the food court? Why does baby and mom have to go to some sort of lounge or some sort of separate room? It's the food court. That's what baby's doing. All good. But then, but it, there, it involves the, there are, again, there are people who are uncomfortable with that because there's the potential for some nudity. So I'm just wondering why can't, if you got to run away to go to do the washroom stuff, why not just go, why not find somewhere private to do that? Why can't you? I'm not saying you should. I'm asking why There are not. lots of people who do. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. And the number to text. We do need to pause for your forecast. I do see text messages coming in. I see the phone line ringing. 204-780-6868. We'll have a look at your forecast up next. I have to hand it to you, Brett. Being devil's advocate is not an easy job, especially on this one. <laughs> you signed up for it, though. I did. I volunteered for it. <laughs> I thought it would be fun to, to, to play devil's advocate. We're sort of talking about... Uh, well, the, the, the summary here is there's a story about an Australian senator who breastfed her baby while tabling a motion in Parliament. It's on globalnews.ca. You can see it there. I saw the video and I thought, you know, I saw the, the smiling faces of her colleagues and I thought, hey, that's great. But there are some people, I'm sure, who would find would be uncomfortable with this kind of thing in the workplace. And to play devil's advocate, I suggested, well, you know, it's a natural function, yes, but we don't there are other natural functions that we go to a place to do it in private to do so why can't this be done in private and the angry text messages are coming in as i was hoping for one of them <laughs> says i can't believe someone gave mcgarry a job time to change the channel 
I oh, don't re- go. Don't go. Don't leave. We have lots of great conversation coming up. <laughs> don't go anywhere. I replied uh, saying, I can't believe it either. And it's spelled M-E-G-A-R-R-Y, not M-C-G-A-R-R-Y. Danny is at 204-780-6868. Oh, you're going to get an earful from Danny, Brett. Hi, Danny. You know, you know, hi. You know what? I am of the frame of mind that when a woman, when a mother is nursing, their baby, it's a thing between the baby and the mom. There's no on display. You can, you can. Um, cut her up discreetly with a little blanket, and I mean because you know sometimes you are seeing a lot more boob than than should be seen, and I don't think that you know people say oh yeah you just whip it out and look I'm sorry this is we're civilized you have to go to the bathroom you leave the room and you go to a washroom or a hidden area and you do what you got to do I'm not saying that um, by covering up your embarrassed to have to do what you have to do i'm just saying it's called discretion have a modicum of decency and cover up it's between you and the baby i don't need some guy standing over me looking at me while i'm nursing the baby Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you need to cover up. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. No, I should point out as well that this Australian senator was covered up. She had a towel or a blanket over her shoulder. Uh, you know what? That's fine. That, that's fine. She's doing what she had to do, but she was doing it discreetly, gracefully. So, you know what? She did what she had to do because she was where she was. And, you know, she's got to get stuff done and she's multitasking. That's fantastic. As long as she's covered up, nurse your baby. But if you're all out in the open and hello... Then no. Okay, Danny, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Well, we've got one minute. We'll just quickly take Eric at 204-780-6868. Hello there, Eric. What do you think? Eric, are you there? Yes, I am here. No, what I think is that every situation is different, and every mother knows what is the right time to do what she needs to do for her baby. If the baby is crying in the middle of whatever situation, she has to do what she needs to do, but it's not offensive to other people. That's how they look at it. That is being nude. I'm sorry to say that, but it's, it's not what in the mother mind. So simply I would say it's just the situation determined what you need to do. All right, Eric, thank you for the call at 204-780-6868. Situation is baby's got to eat. Baby's got to eat. And mom's working, and she did whatever she needed to. Ken brings up a great point before we go. The woman in Australia, if the woman in Australia was the deciding vote, whether to keep her full minority government, there are politicians out there that would take advantage of the fact that she has gone to feed her child. That is when they would hold the vote. (laughs) I think Ken's got a great point. It's a good point. And listen, like I said, I don't have a problem with it. I just thought it would be fun to play devil's advocate. And based on the reaction we got from some of you, uh, it has been fun. Global News at 1.30 is up next. And then after that, we're going to switch gears and head to the bowling alley. Thanks for all your feedback on our previous topic, Australian Senator Breastfeeds Baby while tabling motion in Parliament. And I just answered this text message somewhere in a parallel universe. Women are freely breastfeeding out in the open, and no bystanders are gawking. It's all a matter of culture and perception, in my opinion. And I wrote back, Brett, I crave the day that this isn't anything we look at and suggest, ooh, let's talk about this. There will be a huge variety of opinion on this topic. I just like this just to be not... A new story. And we're clearly not there yet where people are comfortable with this as an quote unquote everyday occurrence in any situation. 
Yeah, when I watched the video, like I said, it was kind of fun to watch and see the smiles on, on the faces and see various politicians coming around to hold the baby. It was a it was a nice setting. And again, I, I just wanted to play devil's advocate just for fun because sometimes it's fun to just kind of kick the hornet's nest provided you're safely, you can get away from it safely. And uh, I would also quickly say I was not suggesting that, well, if, Mothers can breastfeed their babies in public. I should be able to go to the washroom in public. That's not what I was saying. I was not advocating that. What I was suggesting was, well, hey, if we're going to say this is something that we do behind closed doors, why can't this be something that we should do behind closed doors? For those who are uncomfortable, I'm not uncomfortable with it, so I don't see a problem. Tina sent a text message, and she'll have the last word on this. Many years ago, I was nursing my child in the hallway at Kildonan Place and was asked by a security man to go to the Sears bathroom to do that. I asked him if he ate lunch in the bathroom. He just walked away. I was discreetly covered. (laughs) Thanks, Tina. Appreciate that. Now, one of the top trending stories on local social media and and all the different news outlet websites, including our own, is the story of Academy Lanes. And Todd Britton is the president of Academy Lanes. He joins us now. And Todd, thanks for taking time. I know you've been inundated with interview requests over the last couple of days, so we appreciate you taking time with us this afternoon. Uh, no problem. My pleasure. So, Todd, uh, what's going on? We understand that Academy Lanes is closing after 35 years of ownership and leadership underneath your uh, your family's guidance. Yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, the the end is near. Um, you know, the uh, the um, uh, the property is going to be redeveloped, um, and um, and so we are we we're um, you know going to be probably we're going to be relocating. So this is a situation, Todd, where you didn't decide you wanted to leave. You were told what? You know what? It was, it, you know, it, it kind of, um, the story's kind of taken a, a life of its own. But, you know, really, um, you, you know, it was a bunch of factors. Really, the, you know, the property values in this neighborhood is, have increased quite substantially. And it was, it was just a situation where, where uh, we couldn't, you know, sustain, sustain that. And, um, you know, so we, we weren't necessarily kicked out. It was the end of a lease. And, and um and um, and we were just it was time for us to go a different direction. Um, part of it was was you know something that we had to do because you know uh, we were outgrowing this facility and there wasn't a way for us to to generate more revenue to be able to afford to stay. So so it was uh, you know it, but it's been a really tough call because it's been part of our family for just so long. You know, Todd, I, I look at Academy Road and used to live basically right across the street on yeah. Waterloo Street there back in the day yeah. when I was younger, and th- yeah. there used to be a giant parking lot right there, yeah. and I was reading some of the history of yeah. the Uptown Theater when it was first created, and it was yeah. all sorts of controversy about it back yeah. in the in 1930 when the motion was put forward to build in this residential neighborhood, this movie theater at the time, and they wanted a parking a lot attached to it, et cetera, et cetera. So this, yeah. this property's had controversy surrounding it and its redevelopment for going on uh, 90 years now. But I just have to ask you, you know, you mentioned the fact that that property values have risen on the Strip. I think your business has been greatly responsible for the renaissance of Academy Road and bringing people to this part of the city to do something other than live and go to 7-Eleven for a Slurpee. <laughs> well, 7-Eleven's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, I-, I guess, you know, we, you know, for us, I mean, we, we really just, 
you, you know, kind of been doing our job and trying to do it the best that we can and, and provide people with, with a quality product. I mean, um, you know, a lot of things have happened on Academy Road and a lot of people have invested a lot of money. So I don't know if we're, we're you know, responsible, but, I, you know, I hope that we're a positive factor for sure. So, Todd, just uh, want to reiterate or have you reiterate that, that yeah. you're not necessarily getting kicked out of yeah, your no. spot, right? Because no, I think no, this is a sense that some people are getting. Yeah, I think it is too, and it's it's unfortunate. I mean, I think it was, uh, you know, I put out that statement. Uh, it was mostly, you know, just to say that we were closing and moving on from this location and that we were sad about it. And uh, I, I really didn't think it was going to get this much attention, to be quite honest with you. I, I kind of put it out on a Saturday because I thought nobody would pay attention and they'd all be at the lake, but uh, apparently that didn't go according to plan, so... So, Todd, and I, and I, we, I don't want to come off like we're pointing our finger in your chest, but yeah. uh, I just need to So, was it a situation where the property owner said, we are not renewing your lease? Uh, I, I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know... Um, you know, they've, they've worked with us for quite a while uh, trying to keep us here. It was just, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah, and we don't want to, we, we, like, we realize you're not trying to throw your property owner under the bus here, but we're just trying to figure that yeah. out. But so yeah. you, you cur- there are three bowling alleys in the Academy family, right? Where are the other That's two? Correct. Yeah, we've got Academy Lanes West on Portage and Westwood, and, uh, and we have um, uh, Mo- Mosanko Lanes on Main and Redwood. So, Todd, how portable is this business? I mean, uh, bowling yeah. lanes and then the pen set, pin setting machines and the scoring uh, facilities and everything. Are, are, are these things that can be moved to another location? Yeah, they sure can. I mean, uh, it's not the most portable thing, I'll tell you that. Um, and <laughs> it, it, it's, it's quite costly. But, but yeah, no, uh, you know, bowling, bowling centers move from time to time and, uh, and, uh, and uh, it, it can happen. And, um, and uh, that's our intention. Did you not recently renovate the uh, the lanes within the last couple of years? I seem to remember the last time I was there, the uh, the upstairs for sure looked like it had been given a facelift. Yeah, it had, um, but most of that too is is portable as well. So I mean, um, we you know we you know we knew that uh, that there was a possibility that this was going to happen, but you know we still you know wanted to provide a quality product and and. Um, and and so you know we made that commitment, but we we also knew that that, that most of that could come with us. So well, we're going to visit with Brandon Mansell, and uh, just on the other side of weather, uh, Manitoba yeah. recently won the national uh, open uh, bowling championships uh, with uh, Brandon's help, and yeah. uh, the popularity of bowling not only in Manitoba but right across the country. Th- this activity, this sport, is undergoing somewhat of a renaissance, isn't it, Todd? It sure is. I mean, uh, you know, bowling centers are changing, and they, we don't just uh, cater to league, even though that's a very important and large portion of our business. Um, but you know, we're you know we're doing a, a lot of business in, in parties and, and birthday parties and, and social events. So yeah, you know what, the the industry is 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 quite strong and vibrant. If if you're offering a, a good product and um, and it's you know and it's a really fun business to be in as well. So hey, Todd, when uh, how long has Glow Bowling been around for now? Oh, it's been around since about 95, 96. When you first introduced that, were there any sort of purists who thought, what have you, what are you doing to this game that I love? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, they, uh, 
yeah, they they uh, they hated it, and they they were hoping that it was going to be like a six six month fad, and that they'd never have to see it again. But uh, but yeah, it stuck around, and um, and you know even the purists have come to realize that you know it helps introduce new people into into the game, and and maybe they'll realize that it's a sport, or or uh, or they'll they'll come more often. So so people have have uh, relaxed on their on their uh, global stance over the years, and uh, it's now just a just a part of the industry. Well, Todd, thanks once again for taking some time. Uh, we'll say congratulations on this run uh, yeah. where you've been, and we look forward to uh, having you share with us your future plans. As soon as you're able to do that, we, we'd love to bring you on the air and talk about that. And uh, thanks for clearing the air on some of the some of the rumors and the conversations yeah. that are going on uh, in the last couple of days. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Todd Britton joining us. He's the president of the Academy Lanes and saying, you know, they weren't kicked out. This is uh, not necessarily a mutual agreement, but something that, that they could live with over at Academy Uptown Lanes. Yeah, and it says, they, 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 it sounds like they've known for a, a few years now that this is possibly going to happen with property values there and the cost of rent going up. I, I think it's sad, as you pointed out. Uh, I, I think it probably did help to sort of bring people into that area. And uh, I personally really enjoy that bowling alley not just because it's close to where i live but it's just uh, you know as far as five pin places go i like that it's got a second floor that's kind of neat that's sort of a unique thing i'm trying to think off the top of my head i don't know of any other bowling alley in the city that has two floors so that's kind of cool yeah it is it is pretty cool it's a neat place and as far as that building goes uh do some googling on this because it does have a fascinating history all the roadblocks that were overcome to build this as a movie theater in the first place some of the challenges along the way of keeping the building profitable and financially viable and as far as we know the, uh, I've been in contact with Cindy Tugwell over at Heritage Winnipeg, and this building does have a heritage designation. So in order to demolish, and that's a strong word, but a lot of people are concerned that the next move for this building is for it to be demolished, it would have to go to city council to be removed from the heritage uh, listing and designation that it has. So there would be lots of hoops that would need to be gone through in order for this building in its physical form to disappear altogether. Oh, that's a great point. And it is a nice looking old building. It really so is. I think it would be a shame to see that disappear from that neighborhood. We'll talk about the popularity of bowling as well in Manitoba as the conversation on bowling continues after your forecast, which is up next. Brett, big bowling guy, five pin, ten pin, part of your uh, upbringing? Uh, not so much my upbringing, but I do enjoy bowling both five pin and ten pin. Should point out, I had mentioned that I can only, th- I can't think of any other bowling alleys that have two floors like Academy Lanes. We had a couple of people text us immediately say, "Hold on, Roxy Lanes on that's on Henderson, right? That's correct. Yeah, Roxy Lanes on Henderson has two lanes. So thank you for that. I have been to Roxy Lanes exactly one time." When I was a kid. Someone else said uh, Coronation Lanes in, on Tache. I don't know if they're still open, but they had, once upon a time had two floors as well. That also, from a texter, interesting that uh, uh, Roxy and Academy were both built as movie theaters essentially at the va- exact same time. And then were converted to bowling alleys or bowling centers at essentially the same time back in the 60s after uh, the heyday of the movie house in Winnipeg. And there's another building that was a movie theater at the intersection of Arlington and Sargent that was uh, basically there was a trioka of theaters that were built all at the same time back in the early 1930s. 
Right on. Well, that's pretty neat. So Manitoba, we always like to highlight the fact that Manitobans punch above their weight class in, in a lot of different sports in particular. We like to think we're doing it in entrepreneurship. Uh, bowling is no exception. Brandon Mansell joins us now. He lives in Portage La Prairie. We go way back. I've known Brandon since he was a little a little guy growing up in Minnedosa. His dad, Dave, used to own and his family owned Minnedosa Bowl and Minnedosa for, for decades. And Brandon, you've... Uh, You've harvested that that experience as a kid into being uh, one of the best bowlers in Manitoba. Congratulations on uh, your national championship in the Open Championship uh, earlier this month. Hey, thanks, Greg. I, I appreciate that. So tell us uh, what happened in uh, Sudbury, Ontario, before we, we talk about bowling overall and the health of the, the sport in Manitoba. Uh, we, we sent... Um, we sent a mixed team and two single representatives. I was a part of the Manitoba mixed team, and uh, after a, it's a it's a three day qualifying uh, double round robin. We we came second in uh, qualifying, and then had a step ladder to contend with. So step ladder four four plays three, um, then three played us, and then winner of that has to beat the first place qualifier twice. And uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, to win our first match and then come out firing. In the in the next two against uh, against Alberta and brought home gold the national championship. Well, congratulations, Brandon. That's really cool. And uh, is Manitoba? And please forgive my ignorance on this, but uh, is Manitoba sort of uh, a bowling power in our nation? Um, I think you could safely say that we are always um, always a contender when we go to these events. We uh, We've harvested some of the uh, the best bowlers in Canada, and still still have some of the best bowlers in Canada. And um, growing up in the sport, it's it's been my privilege to to bowl along some of the greats that uh, we do have in Winnipeg and, and surrounding cities. So let's talk about uh, the business of bowling a little bit. You, you witnessed it, you grew up in it, and the popularity as an activity. Have you has you, have you seen it grow, Brandon, over the last oh, 15, 20 years? I would say so. I mean, bowling, um, technology-wise, bowling has grown immensely even since when um, my parents owned the center back in 90. They owned it from 96 to, I guess, 2014 or, or so. So they owned it for quite a few years. And uh, when we started, we were uh, pen and paper keeping score by hand and, and uh, free fall machines and, you know, just things that uh, technology has kind of brought forward with the automatic scoring and um, even with that, uh, the... Uh, all, all the most machines now are on strings, and um, just the, the ease that brings into it, and the popularity of you know we can go and have a have a drink, have a beverage, have some food, and uh, just have a good time with friends and family. Do you think as well that our climate maybe is conducive to encouraging an, an activity like bowling because we're cooped up indoors for so many months of the year? I think it definitely helps. Um, speaking from um, small rural town Minnesota. I know that we we weren't even really open much in the summer months, so uh, the winter was our our hotbed, and and lots of birthday parties. We had lots of leaks running, and uh, when it was cold or or drizzly, or you know the weather wasn't cooperating, um, bowling is a is a sport that we can all get involved with. So, Brandon, uh, what was your reaction when you heard that uh, Uptown and the Academy Lanes was uh, closing? Closing. A little bit of devastation. I mean, um, I've I've been. Um, at Academy many, many times and won some provincial events there and seen lots of national events there. And um, it's, been, it's been a bowling hotbed for Winnipeg for quite a while. There's, 
they seem to be able to fill those doors with uh, the activity side quite frequently. Usually have lineups on weekends, and um, it's just a historic historic bowling center across even talking to everyone, all my friends across Canada, people recognize it. So it's a sad day. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a bad news, sad news, good news uh, kind of story because uh, Todd tells us that they'll be reopening somewhere else and that this isn't the, the death of the business, just a dramatic shift. So we'll look forward to hearing what's next. And uh, Brandon, keep in touch. Always good to hear your voice, my friend. And uh, once again, congratulations on that national championship. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Brandon Mansell joining us from Portage La Prairie. He and his uh, team were the gold medal winners, Team Manitoba 2017 Canadian Open 5-pin championship, uh, first week of June in Sudbury, Ontario. Do you prefer 5- or 10-pin bowling? You know what? I grew up on 5-pin. I think I've been 10-pin bowling exactly twice, and the 10-pin bowling alley where I was really bad at 10-pin bowling. Doesn't exist anymore. It was the Empress Lanes over at the old oh. Polo Park Inn. That was an activity center. You had the pool hall. You had uh, the the video arcade and, of course, the 10-pin bowling alley there that on some nights was just jam-packed with people. That was that was right out of the movies, the Empress uh, Bowling Lanes. Oh, it was a my. cool place. I Yeah, I, you know what? I'm remembering now I had, a, I had an event there. It was when I worked at Taco Bell. I think our... We had a Christmas party or something there for all the Taco Bells, and so we, like, rented out the whole, or I think the whole place, and there was a pool competition, and I I, I beat some guy who brought his own cue. He was all stunned because uh, he brought his own cue and thought he was going to shark me, and I beat him. Uh, You'd had he, a couple beers? No, this was, I was, like, 17 oh, or 18. Oh, okay, because I always get better at pool after I have a couple. And, uh... And then, the, yeah, I remember, that's right, the lanes were huge there. I, I'll just quickly say, I, I don't know which I prefer. I think I actually like 10-pin more just because I spent a lot of time at Le Verandry. That's just off of Des Murons, if memory serves, uh, in St. Boniface. They've got a nice 10-pin alley there, or had. It's been years since I've been there, so I'm, hopefully it's still there. And uh, Chateau Lanes. On Nairn. I like that uh, bowling alley as well. So. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a neat sport, and it's something that has uh, stood the test of time. Kind of neat to see it undergoing a renaissance. Global News coming up at 2 o'clock. And then Kelly Keene joins us on 680 CJOB. Craig Mackling, Brett McGarry with you. Monday afternoon. If you're still at work, the mayor says you don't know. Mayor Bowman. Declaring a, a day off today because it's finally nice outside. I understand where he was going with that joke, but uh, it does not give you permission to leave. You could try, but there's no note that will uh, get you off the hook. McGarry and myself will be here until 4 o'clock. We tried to get out the door, but uh, the boss said no. The uh, mayor's word has no power here. <laughs> it is Money Mondays. Every other week, we visit with Kelly Keene, our good friend, uh, down in, I think she's in Toronto today, although she could be anywhere in the country. She travels here, there, and everywhere. Are you, in fact, in the center of the universe today, Kelly? You know what? I'm a little tricky today, Greg. I actually did just get home on the weekend to Edmonton. So, nope, I am uh, out west uh, enjoying a sunny Alberta day talking to you flying fellows. Oh, what's the temperature like in Edmonton today? It, it's actually going to be something like 29 today, which, you know, I wish that our mayor or somebody would declare it a day off as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's 
finally a nice day here. So. Well, please send it uh, our way. I think we're supposed to get to 26 tomorrow. So. Ooh, that sounds great. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. It's been just kind of a crappy couple of weeks. Anyway, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about uh, some advice that I gave. And, and, and with you being a, a financial literacy expert, hopefully I did okay here. Okay. Uh, one of our colleagues, for whatever reason, trusts me on, on, on certain issues. There are others that he decidedly does not trust me uh, <laughs> on to talk about. But he was buying and in the market for a new vehicle. He asked me my opinion on a couple of vehicles. He's a very practical individual, wanted something that was basic transportation and uh, would get him from A to B. Didn't want to spend uh, any more money than he wanted to. Wanted to get maximum value. Super consumer from, from that point of view. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Then, then you know, he says, yeah, I've saved up X amount of money. And I, I whoa, 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 whoa. Right. What does saving up money have to do with buying a vehicle? Yeah. Well, you know, I want to buy cash. I want to pay cash. I don't want to have a payment, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I said, well, Tristan, just from my point of view, and there I go, I just outed him on the air. Yeah. My <laughs> advice would be, my advice would be to invest whatever savings that you have put aside and take advantage of OPM, other people's money at 0%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did I give him good advice, Kelly Keene? I like that advice, Greg. I think you're totally on the right track. I think there's just a few possible um, hidden things that one needs to consider. So let's kind of walk through your thinking because I like exactly where you're going. I'm 90% there. So, um, yeah. Why would you use your own money when you could go into some type of an investment? Maybe your friend is in a high income bracket, and if he put that into an RSP, could even get a tax deduction next year. All kinds of different issues there. Um, on the tax side, if there, let's say for your listeners out there that are self-employed, uh, it often makes sense to look at a lease or buying the vehicle. Now, there's no, there's no for sure on tax-wise, if it's better to, to finance, like when I say buy, to finance or to lease, it depends on your situation. So you want to, you know, get um, some tax advice there. You also want to sit down and crunch the numbers with someone like a certified financial planner to say, hey, what's the best way for me to go? Now, here's where I'm 90% with you, Greg, is sometimes the 0% in my research is not always 0%, mm. okay? Sometimes there are some hidden fees Sometimes, to what the car dealerships, I'm told, want to happen is you kind of go through this gauntlet, if you will, of you come in, you're looking for the vehicle, uh, you're looking for all the bells and whistles, and what happens is by the time you get to the financing, you're, you're facing what's called decision fatigue, okay? You've made so many decisions. Now, this is if you've not done some homework, like I know you probably advised your friend, and it sounds like your friend's very astute. Mm -hmm. But the average person, what happens, they come in, they don't know what they want. There's all this decision fatigue. Uh, Maybe their blood sugar is running low. And and studies have proven that when you've made too many decisions, you're starting to feel tired, you default to what's being presented to you. So now you go to see the finance person. Again, you're getting tired, your blood sugar's low. You may not be asking the questions of hidden admin fees, other fees, and is it in fact the 0% that they're saying it is. So that would be my cautionary tale is I think you gave, you know, really great advice. You just want to make sure that you've also shopped around at your bank to see what, you know, would it make sense if there are hidden fees at that particular dealership? Would you have more negotiating power if you came in with your own line of credit? 
secured line of credit, that is. All of these questions, I think, are valid. And then lastly, should you be doing a lease based on your tax situation? It's, it's a little complex when it comes to buying what is the most expensive or second most expensive purchase to a house in our, in our financial life. It's a big decision. Well, Kelly, just on the subject of, of coming in with a down payment and, and, and saving that money or putting it towards your own thing, would a down payment not help the situation in terms of lowering your, your monthly payment and then therefore you have more money to put away into an investment? Well, yeah, that begs the question as well, though. Could that money be better used elsewhere? See, remember, retailers are trying to get us to use, to look at that monthly amount. So oftentimes, and I did this when I was researching my own car purchasing experiment, is instead of coming in the door and the salesperson saying, hey, Kelly, what's your budget for a car? They say, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. Right away, they were like, what could you afford monthly? And I'm like, well, what does that matter? (laughs) And they're like, well, whatever that monthly number is, we're going to work backwards to basically make that number work. Just Mm -hmm. like you said, maybe it's a higher down payment or what have you, but this is kind of trickery. Like at the end of the day, you need to be sitting down and saying, what did the total cost of this purchase cost me? Hidden fees, upsell, um, you know, financing, all of that, and then look at every other option And then, of course, if you're self-employed, you've now got to wrap in that tax feature. So to answer your question, putting a bigger down payment and seeing that it's a lesser amount is just trickery, right? It's that money could maybe, that's what Greg was saying, could maybe be used um, elsewhere, earning an income or something of that sort. But, but again, there's, every dealership is different. Incentives are different. And don't forget your ability to negotiate makes a big difference as well. And sometimes when people are coming in asking for that financing, they might not feel as confident as if they have their own financing. Um, and for some people, they just, regardless of the numbers, they want to pay cash, which if it's right or wrong, that's what their gut says. So you got to follow the numbers, but you also got to follow your gut. Kelly Keene is our guest. She is a certified financial planner. She's an award-winning author. She's been on TV. She's visited us on studio right here at 680 CJOB. We visit with her every other Monday. Just need to quickly mention uh, 680 CJOB's Kelly Moore was in the booth trying to get my attention, and I forgot to to mention it when I instead asked a question. Tamu Solani is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Fantastic. So we'll have more on that throughout the afternoon. Kelly, I once heard, and I can't remember where I heard this. I think I might have heard it on a TV show or something. So, I mean, I'll take it for what it's worth in that context. But I think the line was, you should never finance something with a depreciating value like a car. You should lease it. What do you say to that? Yeah, again, I've had this conversation with my, uh, my tax person, and it depends... Uh, what your tax situation is. It really does. I hate to say it depends, um, but there's been times where based on my income, my, my tax advisor told me that it was better to finance. So what that meant was I was paying principal and interest. I was paying a higher payment than a lease, for example. So a lease, you're paying on the depreciation only and then some fees and interest and all that type of stuff. So you don't own anything at the end of the day. And for some people that are self-employed, that makes most sense, but not necessarily, unfortunately, for everyone. It it really does depend on your tax uh, bracket, um, what type of income you have, if you can write off anything with your work or not. 
So you definitely want to check. And it, and sometimes, you know what, sometimes it doesn't matter. People just want to get into a, a better vehicle with a lower rate, and they don't care. Uh, so um, sometimes it's what your family really needs to do. And when we're talking about transportation, we're not talking about a laptop or a big screen TV. We're talking about something that some really hardworking families sometimes need to just squeeze themselves into because they just tell me, look, I don't care what your advice is. I got to get a new vehicle and I got to do it any way I can so I can get the kids, you know, back and forth to daycare and, and, and keep that job. So, um, you know, it, I, ideally, if your tax situation is so, uh, at least might make sense, but um, not always so. So is a major purchase like this, whether it's a home, whether it's a vehicle, Kelly, a great opportunity, a great excuse to engage the advice of a financial expert to maybe help you create that whole, that overall financial philosophy that you might want to employ, whether it is a big screen TV, a car or a home. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. Now, you said a moment ago that I'm a certified financial planner. I'm actually not. I'm the consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council because I believe in people using a financial planner and a qualified one because you know why, guys? These folks are, you know, they're held to the highest of ethics and education and standards. And people think that as soon as they walk into a planner's office, they are going to be forced into a budget or something of that sort. And it's, it's quite often exactly the opposite. These people are going to help you figure out, okay, it's like a roadmap. It's like a financial roadmap or a GPS. So you're at this point in your life. You need a vehicle. You need a new home. You need to save for the kids. And You know, it's such a great question that you bring up because a lot of times Canadians are sacrificing and scrimping and saving. They're not getting that latte that they really want. They're not having that dinner out with the family. They're they're being a little too frugal on the vacation, yet they'll make big mistakes with their car purchase. They'll make Mm -hmm. big mistakes not negotiating their mortgage rate, and they'll leave, you know, thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars on the table with these big things because, yeah, they didn't, they didn't get an accountant, they didn't really talk to a banker or someone like that or a professional on the other side, on the planning side, but yet they, they sacrifice over here. So you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and some of your listeners might be saying, well, I, I, don't, I don't have money, I don't have money to invest, so how can I go to a planner? You, you don't always have to have money to invest. You can hire fee-only financial planners, uh, even talk to your banker might be a certified financial planner, but get some help because these are big, big decisions that um, if you're not in the industry, how would you know the questions to even ask and what blind spots you might be facing? Kelly, we're going to take a break to update our weather forecast, but we come back, I want to ask you about this idea of all the things that we do go and express <laughs> interest for advice on. That might be the best book to read on our vacation. We may spend hours researching the best dishwasher, refrigerator, and stove. But when, and I know we're in the middle and the beginning of summer, but it's never too early to talk about RSP season. We'll go in on February 27th mm-hmm. and go, I've saved $10,000 for RSPs. What should I do with it? And they hand it over to someone and they've spent less time researching that part of their financial world than they have these other things that I, I just outlined. Can we talk about that when we come back? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Kelly Keene.
All right, Kelly Keen, and apologies by the way for. Oh no, not at all. I uh, I could I I couldn't remember your title. I I tried to to take a guess at it, and I was incorrect. It's funny because somebody texted earlier. I can't believe somebody gave McGarry a job, and I'm proving that with. <laughs> One right now. You gave me too much credit. I didn't want to take too much credit, Brett. <laughs> All right. KellyKeen.com is the website, by the way. That's spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-E-E-H-N. She is a personal finance educator and a consumer advocate, Financial Planning Standards Council. More with her after your forecast up next. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Just a heads up. There has been a crash that's actually happened east of the border of the Manitoba, Ontario border. There's a crash on Highway 17, which is the Trans-Canada there. So I spoke with a woman earlier who was on her way out to Kenora from Winnipeg and OPP eventually came along after she sat in line for an hour and told her to turn back. Gary sent us some pictures, uh, and he actually got a picture of the crash, which happened uh, this morning. It looks like there's a big truck here uh, pulling a trailer of some sort that was involved in this crash. So OPP have the highway blocked off. So if you're trying to get into Ontario, it looks like you're not going to be able to do that, at least for a number of who knows how many hours. And as we come up to 25 after the hour, we will let you know that Timu Solani, Paul Correa, Dave Andrichuk, Danielle Goyette, Mark Recchi have all been named to the Hockey Hall of Fame in the players category and Boston Bruins owner Jeremy Jacobs and Canadian University coach legendary Claire Drake will be inducted as builders. So uh, huge congratulations, obviously, on the local front. Uh, Team Solani uh, going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, his first year of eligibility, of course, began his career with the Winnipeg Jets version 1.0. Kelly Keene is our guest for the next few minutes. We're talking about finance, and we've established that, Kelly, there are some good times, some good excuses once in a while in our lifetime to say, you know what, maybe we should just enlist the help of, of a professional to discuss some decisions and maybe create a philosophy. And I've always marked Marveled at the idea of how much time we'll spend researching the the quality of a new dishwasher or an appliance of any kind, and then we'll walk into our, our bank, our credit union on the 26th, 27th, 28th of February and say, yeah, I've uh, worked really hard to save $10,000 for my RSP. Where should I invest it and hand it over to someone that they see for 90 seconds every year? Yeah, I, I know. It's uh, beyond irksome to me as well. And What's even um, more more uh, challenging and sad and, and frustrating is uh, my last book was uh, written on avoiding identity theft, fraud, and investment scams, and I can't tell you how many stories uh, came back to me about people that invested in a bad land deal, in a fraudulent gold scheme, you name it, and literally, if they would have just Googled the person's name, oftentimes they were flagged somewhere else in some other province. And and these were people handing over a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. You're so right. You've got to you've got to take time with this stuff. It's like we wouldn't go to our doctor once in a lifetime or once every decade and go, "Hey, doc, fix me." And I've only got half an hour. But in all fairness to consumers, it's a very confusing industry. Uh, there's a lot of news lately about titles and and best interests and all of that type of stuff. So uh, there's a great website uh, from the nonprofit Financial Planning Standards Council that uh, I would love for your listeners to go to. It's uh, financialplanningforcanadians.ca, and there's a tool that they've created as well, uh, findyourplanner.ca. You can shop for a, a certified financial planner, 
someone who has the education, the ethics, it, you know, um, is, is going to be someone that you can trust. And we've got some videos on there, too, about questions to ask. I think a lot of times people are a little intimidated. They don't know how to interview that person. They hear that there's hidden fees. They feel nervous. They don't know how to ask about what they're being paid. And we address all of those questions. And I think if you arm yourself with some of that and, and conversations like we're having right now, uh, yeah, hopefully you get in now when it's not busy as opposed to, like you said, um, a couple of days before the end of RSP season and maybe an RSP is not even right for you. So exactly, you don't want to leave your finances last minute because it's, they're just not going to serve you. I have a lot of questions about TFSAs. Can we uh, promise to talk about TFSAs on your next uh, Money Monday, Kelly Keene? I'm making a note, Greg, and that's going to be our topic. You got it. Thanks, partner. Appreciate it. Great to hear your voice as always. Thanks for your time, Kelly. You too. Thanks, gentlemen. Enjoy the day. All right, Kelly Keene. Thank you so much. She is a certified... No, I did it wrong again. A personal finance educator with a, and a consumer advocate, Financial Planning Standards Council. Looks like somebody has a case of the Mondays. I think I have a case of the Mondays, Greg. <laughs> should I get you? Should I get you one of those T-shirts? I, Looks I, like someone has a case of the Mondays. I clearly, yeah, I've got it right in front of me. Your website is right in front of me. It's kellykeen.com, and I still said it wrong. Personal finance educator, <laughs> consumer advocate, Financial Planning Standards Council, kellykeen.com. Thank you. Global News at 2.30 is up next. Kelly Keene, uh, kellykeen.com, K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-E-E-H-N.com. Some incredible advice there. Uh, she joins us every other Monday for Money Mondays. My headphones are acting up here, so I can't hear myself or anything else here, Brett. So bear with me as I monkey around with this. Um, Kelly mentioned that whole idea of identity theft, and uh, we didn't talk about it at ton in that last segment but Brett did, are you concerned about stuff like that like keeping things secret like are you careful with what you do with your credit card bills at the end of the month and uh, you know different documentation that might have key indicators key information that you should only know about yourself I just throw it all the box and uh, put it in my closet is that bad uh, that's better than putting it in the recycling box in your back lane for uh, anybody to uh, sift through it, I suggest. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I actually put it all in my bathtub. There was a, a funny scene, in, <laughs> I, I don't do that either, but there's a funny scene in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where he, he, does, he calls it his mail tub. It's all of his mail for the last how many years are all in his bathtub. So they say, how do you shower? Well... I don't. Is that Andy Samberg? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had to go swimming to find uh, some letter that had been sent to you him. You know, that is a really an underrated television program, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I know. It's a great show. It's an excellent show, actually, and I have seven episodes, I think, piled up on my PVR, so I should probably get... Is it still in production, by the way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah it okay. had, it's been, I believe it's been renewed for, I think, a... Fifth season now? Maybe Fantastic. Season six? I can't remember off yeah. the top of my head. I'd I have to double check. Is it in syndication? I thought it was already. Anyway, we digress. Um, the reason I asked you about the privacy thing, and neither one of us are on Snapchat, but this Snapchat, this new feature, the Snap Map, uh, it, this boggles my mind. A, that they would create it, and B, that anyone would voluntarily want to be involved in something that discloses to all your followers, all your network, exactly where you are. We're not talking in a general sense. This isn't like dropping a pin uh, on Winnipeg 
<laughs> and just people knowing that you're in Winnipeg, mm. but like two, basically hundreds of feet of where you might be. And some people saying like exactly where you are within a shopping center or an apartment building. It's kind of freaky. Now, for those of you who, who have probably heard, you maybe have heard of Snapchat. Maybe you haven't. Because not everybody is on social media. Yeah, fair enough. I'm on Facebook and I am on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter, even though I've actually been told I should be on Twitter, but I'm not, partly because I I actually did install it a few years ago on my phone just for the CJOB, and I I was always on it. So I thought I can't I can't I don't need this this kind of hyper I can't put it down. I've already wasted enough time on Facebook mm-hmm. and on Instagram and Greg, I see you on your phone all the time on Twitter. I am. You've talked about being on Twitter at Winnipeg Jets games. Yep. So that's that that kind of thing I I, I sort of I, I think I set up like roadblocks for myself. I say, Okay, that's it. I'm not this is as far as I'm going to go. You know, you talk about going behind the veil, and the, we have conversations about this in my house all the time, because you're right. I am on Twitter. It's an occupational hazard for us, social media, right? Because you commented on it to me in a conversation we were having digitally the other night, just this whole idea that we're constantly on the look for interesting, unique things to talk about on this program. I don't know how often we succeed, but we certainly put a lot of effort in making sure that we're not just having the same old conversations. There are some things that we're somewhat obligated to discuss on the show because it's news of the day. But we try to go a little bit deeper and find some things that you might haven't, you may have not otherwise heard about to chit chat about. Uh, this wouldn't qualify this uh, Snap Map thing, but some of you may have not heard about it. I digress. Uh, in terms of Twitter, things are changing. Like there's, there's constantly new news, new sports, new information coming, op-ed pieces. Like I'm, I am, I'm addicted to Twitter because of the amount of information that I can get in a short period of time from a variety of sources. It's so much easier than Googling for stuff. And you know what's happening, what people are watching and what's trending uh, very quickly. And I'll be doing it during commercial break. Sometimes I do it when you're talking I know. to see what's happening because you never know when things are going to break. Yeah, and if, as a news aggregator, Twitter's value, I think, is is great. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I sort of avoid it because I know that I tend to be a little obsessive. But anyway. Information s- overload. Snapchat is... Uh, and I'm the wrong person to be explaining this, but I will give you my basic understanding. As we should someone, have a res, resident expert come yeah. in and tell us. Well, maybe it you know it helps because there's a very good chance that you listening to this radio station is not on Snapchat. Maybe you are, but if you're not, as far as it, it's basically an app where I it's a like a messaging app where I can send you a message, but it's not just a message; it's a picture, and it's sort of like mission. Let me put it in the Mission Impossible sort of comparison. This message will self-destruct in five seconds, right? You send a picture with a message via Snapchat to somebody. They look at this picture, this message, and then it disappears. It's gone. It's erased from existence. So it's sort of just meant to be a quick little cute message. Once you look at it, it's, it disappears unless you take a screen grab. You can also had there's a feature, which is now also on Instagram and Facebook, where you can create your little story where you... You take pictures or video, and it's meant to just sort of document your day. And I guess it sticks around for 24 hours or whatever. And uh, and a lot of the a lot of the other social media applications out there are like where Snapchat 
leads others are following. Snapchat does this, so now Instagram does this. And because Instagram does, does this, now Facebook does this. So anyway, and it's the cool one that all the kids are using. <laughs> all the not youngsters. To make, yeah, not to make myself sound super old, but they, the, the kids like it. It's cool. Uh, Snapchat has, by the way, 150 million daily active users, 66 million uh, monthly users in the United States. Yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a big form of social media. It's been around for years now, and a lot of our younger colleagues here have been on it for years. And one of those younger colleagues, his name is Austin Siragusa. And Saturday, he's working the morning news desk. I'm working the afternoon news desk, and he says, "I know you're not on Snapchat, but look at this privacy nightmare." Rolls over in his chair beside me, and he pulls up to me, and he, and he says, "Okay, I'm just going to show you the app." And he pulls his phone out, and he shows me what is essentially just a map of North America. And he says, see all these cute little cartoon people? These are my various Snapchat friends. Now I'm just going to zoom in a little bit more. So now you can see what cities they're in. He says, okay, now I'm going to zoom in on this specific person. I can, And he zooms in, and you can see the house that this person is in. And if you zoom in even further, you can see where they are, almost. It's almost like a... Like something you'd see in an in an act like a spy movie using infrared satellite. Well, it, it, this seems like science fiction, right? A mere twenty years ago, something. Oh, yeah, you can see exactly where I am with just one little device. Yeah, guess what? Time is now. Yep, the time, time is now. And it's kind of it sort of freaked me out. I thought, ah, oh, I don't know that I would want to, would want people to know exactly where I am at any given time. And Austin didn't either. He said, no, I'm in ghost mode. But then earlier this afternoon... Now, what's ghost mode? Ghost mode is, thank you, you guys should explain. Ghost mode is something, it's a it's a, a function within this snap map where you can disable, you're not in it. Like, it, it essentially takes you off of the map so that people can't see exactly where you are. But it's not something, it's not a setting that is the default. If you're on Snapchat, you are on snap maps unless you disable it. So Austin, he shows me that he's in ghost mode. And then we, Matt uh, and Christian are looking at their Snapchat, and they both commented on how they could see Austin today. He was in a car going somewhere. And I even texted him and said, I hope you're going to the doctor's office, young man, because you called in sick today. And he said, yes, 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 I was. But I said to him, I thought you were in ghost mode. Oh, my God, I, I updated the app, and I guess it disabled it. So now every time you update it, you're going to have to go back in and take yourself off of the map. So this snap map is a part of the latest update. So if you're on Snapchat and you have updated in the last handful of days, last week or so, you will automatically, it says it's an opt-in, but it's only an opt-in in the manner in which most of us upload and download these things, I have agreed to and read the terms of this agreement. Uh, 6,795 characters later in the smallest font possible. Yes, 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 I've read it and I accept. Well, what you've accepted in this case, in this latest update, is you've given permission to be on this snap map. If you have updated and downloaded the latest version of Snapchat. So if you didn't realize... You are on SnapMap, unless you go in and put your put yourself in ghost mode. I don't know why that wouldn't be the default. Um, 
That's for bigger brains to decide why that would be. We know why, because uh, they make a lot of money on figuring out exactly where you are. It's mostly consumer stuff, consumer preferences, Mm -hmm. uh, travel patterns. They sell this information for a ton of money. There's a reason why these applications are free. As we know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. You're paying with information. You're paying with your freedom to a certain extent when you download and engage and become a part of these applications. They are mining your data for things that you can only imagine and mostly things you can't imagine. And in case you're thinking, well, I'm not on Snapchat, so I don't care about this. Well, maybe you have kids and maybe your kids are on Snapchat. Do you want the whole world, well, not the whole world, but anybody who's on Snapchat and following them to know exactly where they are at any given time? Let's say, for example, you, you I don't know, you're sort of you're loosely friends. I mean, we all have Facebook friends who are not really our friends, right? Not people that I would talk to on a daily basis, Bite a monthly your basis. Tongue, Brett McGarry. <laughs> now, of course, there are people that a you may have never met. Yep. Especially in this realm, right? Mm-hmm. People that are Facebook friends that we have a relationship purely because we are on the air here. People you haven't seen in years. And yeah, you're right. I don't have, I think I have, I don't know, must be around 1,800 Facebook friends. Yeah, like 18 of them I I see face-to-face on a regular basis, right? Yeah, so let's say you have people like that or your kids have somebody like that in their Snapchat circle who they maybe have talked to once or twice. Well, what if that person takes an unhealthy liking to your kid? And again, we're not trying to fear monger here. We're just kind of spitballing, scatting, and bebopping to see what could potentially go wrong. I think on the flip side, maybe there is a, the, the one positive uh, act, sort of look I can take on this is that if you're a parent and you want to know where your kids are, this is a great way to know exactly where they are. But then if you know where they are, lots of other people do too. Yeah, there's other ways to do that, other apps that you can download on the phone so that you can uh, keep tabs on your kid if you're inclined to do that. So I guess the big message here is if you're on Snapchat and downloaded the latest version the latest update and you did not put yourself into ghost mode you are visible to all your network your snapchat network i don't know if that's the word they use or not that's the word i'm using (laughs) and you are visible on a map in a very detailed fashion and i guess the secondary maybe the more primary uh for those that are listening right now is the fact that your kids may have updated the snapchat app Uh, it's maybe more likely because of how in tune kids are these days that they know about this snap map but they may not know about it and it may be making them susceptible to a people that you don't want to know exactly where your kids are to know exactly where your kids are so if your kids have snapchat you might want to ask them about it and double check and make sure that they are in the appropriate mode so that they are not constantly visible on this map in a very detailed fashion. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. It is also the number to text. What do you think about this? The fact that this very popular form of the internet social medias, as I like to call them, Snapchat, its newest feature, the headline reads, Snapchat's newest feature is also its biggest privacy threat. This detail about SnapMap is frightening, says this one particular author. Do you agree? 204-780-6868. If your kids are on Snapchat, do you want anybody who follows them on Snapchat to be able to know exactly where they are right down to the house that they are in? 
I don't know that I would like that. And if I were on Snapchat, I certainly wouldn't want to know where, wouldn't want people to know exactly where I am. Because if someone knows that I'm wherever, they might not know that I'm, or they might know, well, then he's not at home. Mm-hmm. Not that I have anything worth stealing, but anyway. So I'm going to ask you about this on the other side of the weather. Is that next on Snapchat? Are you going to be shamed for being in ghost mode? Ooh. Oh, McCary, why are you in ghost mode? What are you what trying are you to doing? hide? Yeah, where are you going? 204-780-6868. Your forecast is up next. I love our repartee with our listeners. Yes. Apparently we had a listener call in and tell Jeff Forche, boys, I know exactly where you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> With or without the GPS or the Snap Map function on Snapchat. That's what we've been talking about for the last uh, last uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. And uh, this song came to mind this morning for our colleague, Christian O'Mell. It does feel like we're always being watched. That's from 1984 as well. That is some uh, great insight. Who's the artist there? Rockwell. Rockwell. With Little guest help, Michael vocalist Jackson? Michael Jackson. Is not today the anniversary of Michael ja- Jackson's passing? Is it? Uh, is that today? Yesterday. Was it yesterday. Or, okay. I knew it was somewhere around. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great song, by the way. Thank you, Christian, for thinking of this. Uh, John says Snapchat is funny. Why can they track so good and the law system can't? Flip phone uh, solves all issues, by the way. And Tim says, I don't even want my wife knowing where I am sometimes, LOL. <laughs> oh, Tim. Yeah, and John raises an interesting point there with uh, the flip phone. And there, that this is a completely different conversation that maybe we'll save for tomorrow or somewhere later in the week regarding texting and driving, how I used to text and drive when I had a flip phone. I'm not certainly advocating it, but now that I have a smartphone, I definitely don't do it. And I saw a guy texting and driving yesterday, and I wanted to have a, a stern conversation with him, shall we say. But we'll save that for another time. But you brought up the subject of shame, mm-hmm. shaming. That's if you're right. in ghost mode, so you, you go into ghost mode to get yourself off of this snap map. And someone says to you, well, why are you in ghost mode? What have you got to hide, Brett? What have you got to hide, Greg? Why aren't you in the community? Why aren't you one of us? Why aren't you declaring your location on a constant basis? You know? Have you got something no good that you're up to? Are you Are you being sneaky or... You know, is there a problem? What have you got to hide? I could see it being a huge headache from a relationship standpoint for for people. If you're in a relationship with somebody who might maybe is a tad jealous or whatever, and you're both on Snapchat, and then you put yourself into ghost mode, and they think, well, is is this person stepping out on me? What's going on here? I can see Snapchat losing a lot of subscribers, not only based on this new mode and this new application part of their service but this whole idea of now all of a sudden i might be creating a problem for myself by not participating in something that is is a little creepy yeah i don't like it at all i think it's really i will admit when i first saw it i thought that's kind of neat but ultimately it's kind of 
this like this article says this detail about snap map is frightening yeah i think that's the takeaway from it i don't like it at all and it's a another re- oh and here's a sidebar on this other article that talks about it how to delete snapchat <laughs> click 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 on that <laughs> click on that coming up to three o'clock we're going to talk about fireworks after global news at three o'clock on 680 cjob Sorry, Brett. Had to do it. It's okay. I know it's not the same as having her in the studio, which would be fantastic. Little Katy Perry. I like Katy Perry. This is not when I saw in the in our little queue here firework. This is not what I was expecting. (laughs) What were you expecting? I thought maybe we'd have like firework sounds or something like that. That's too obvious. Had to go Katy Perry on this one. Uh, of course, Canada Day, our 150th birthday as a nation coming up. Outstanding fireworks displays all over the province of Manitoba, including one that we're a big part of at Assiniboine Park. But for some people, those public displays simply are not enough. So we thought we would enlist the services of our buddy Matt Bialik, who is the president of Red Bomb Fireworks. We, I've... Personally, had a chat with Matt over the last uh, few years now around Canada Day. So this is a big one. So it would be remiss to not have another chat this year with you, Matt. Welcome back to the studio, sir. Great to be back. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too. And you've brought in a whole bunch of goodies here. I'm just going to... Oh, and this one actually is... uh, So in my hand, I have... It's a little... Well, what would you call this, Matt? Well, that is our, our newest arrival, True North. It's a three finale cake sequence on one finale board. It's not like the old Bombardos used to be in the 80s. One single ignition and about a minute of runtime of, of continuous goodness. Really awesome piece. You call this a, a finale cake. Correct. Yeah, finale cake. And finale cakes are, are basically where it's at here now in Canada. Uh, one single ignition, you get a show on one ignition, so very, very safe. Lots going on and uh, a best value for your money, so to speak, in, in finale cakes. So you light it once, as you mentioned, and I don't want to over, you know, beat a, a dead horse here. Sorry for that analogy. But the idea is that within those three containers, you've got like a mini display all wrapped up into one. And is it self Timed? Is it engineered? Explain how it works. Exactly. That's exactly the whole philosophy behind either True North or the Strong and Free. There are three individual fireworks that are fused together as individual items, but connected, uh, such that when number one on the board ends, number two automatically starts. Uh, Never before has this been in Canada. I was actually shocked that the federal government, uh, which is very heavy in regulation, permitted us to import those and and sell them over the counter. Uh, Fantastic display. If you're looking for for new, exciting, that's where you want to be. So I've I've used a finale cake before where it's just one of these items individually. So uh, if I'm understanding correctly, like I can just put buy this package as it is. Light it and away it goes? Correct. Oh, One single awesome. ignition, you're set to go for Canada Day at the finale. That you, is tremendous. You mentioned the word regulation, and that's one of the first things that you and I discussed off the air, this idea of regulation. I mentioned to you, I spent the 4th of July in Seattle, Washington, back, I guess it was in 2001. And, I mean, 
I imagine that what the, <laughs> I imagine what it would be like in Beirut in the mid 1980s during the civil war <laughs> there in Lebanon because it was constant for probably 12 hours the fireworks that were going off all around the the bay and uh, this idea that the fireworks is such a big part of American society and the culture there I didn't realize that you could even sell these things in Canada. Oh, absolutely. Uh, actually, in the past probably five to ten years, we've seen a real resurgence uh, of, of fireworks in, in Canada. Uh, whereas ten years ago, fireworks were mainly a professional, fair-style display. You'd go to the X, as an example, or Cinnaboyne Park. Now the federal government has, has really opened up the floodgates to consumer fireworks and the safety and quality has improved to the point where anyone over 18 years of age can have a real awesome display in the backyard or out at the lake. Uh, the biggest thing though, common sense. You always want to make sure that you're using the, the product with that common sense. I just booted the garbage can, Greg. I've never done that. I really am having a weird off day. You have a case of the Mondays without (laughs) doubt, Brett. So you you mentioned uh, regulations in terms of, you know, your backyard. What if I'm in the city of Winnipeg? City of Winnipeg, first step is you want to try to apply for a permit from the Fire and Paramedic Service here in town. Uh, They do require a permit for any consumer fireworks shows, and it does have to be located on, on private property if you are having that show. Uh, the fire department will issue that permit over on King Street, and uh, they're pretty efficient in, in uh, actually writing those permits, and they are free of charge. Uh, it's not worth doing outside of the regulations. It's just not worth the hassle. Is King Street the only place you can do that? I believe so. The Fire and Paramedic Service used to issue permits at all fire locations, uh, fire stations. Uh, I believe now they've centralized it to just King Street. Okay. What happens if you don't have a permit? Can you be arrested, or is it just kind of a thing where they come and tell you to stop it? You run quick? No. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, uh, with Canada 150, there's probably going to be some leeway, uh, but I definitely don't recommend utilizing that leeway. Uh, you are supposed to have that permit from the Fire and Paramedic Service uh, here in, in Winnipeg. If you do not have that permit, there are penalties uh, according to the civic bylaws. How can you figure out if your property is even suitable to even apply for the permit? There must be some sort of... Uh, restrictions in terms of where I am and and the structures around me, trees, etc. You bet. Uh, actually, the city has done a really good job there. Uh, the Fire and Paramedic Service actually has brochures available for any consumers. And if you go into uh, a reputable fireworks dealer here in town, they'll have those uh, brochures available for you uh, to to utilize, to, to review your property. In addition to that, they'll probably help and provide information as to whether or not your property is suitable. As a general rule, y- you want at least 60 meters to structures, at least 60 meters to, to a, any sort of observers or, or, or your entire fireworks crowd, so to speak. And before we pause to have a look at traffic and weather, because it is Canada 150, there are probably going to be, I would imagine, uh, a lot more fireworks displays being set off at various neighborhoods throughout the city. These permits that are issued, do they come with a time restriction? You do have to specify date and approximate time. There is some leeway given the the light and darkness issue here in Winnipeg. Sometimes we, we plan for darkness to set a bit faster than it does. In general, if you keep that tolerance of, of probably about an hour, you're safe safe to go. So like an hour after dark? Yeah, my recommendation if you are applying for permits, uh, apply for about 10, 10.30, uh, 11 p.m. Okay. Well, I mean, that's one of the things I think that, you know, we, we want to be, still want to be good Canadians. You want to be courteous with your neighbors, right? You don't want to be setting these things off at two, three in the morning. Absolutely. In, in Canada, fireworks are ours to lose. Uh, 
they're terribly fun, but if they're misused, uh, they're one of those type of, of things that they probably can be done away with. So I always encourage anyone who buys fireworks, use common sense, think about your neighbors, think about how you would appreciate being woken up at uh, maybe three in the morning after a rough night. Matt Bialik is president of Red Bomb Fireworks. We're going to continue our chat and talk a little bit more about some of the goodies. Oh, and before we pause, uh, in case anybody has to run, what's your website, Matt? Redbomb.com, and we're open 1838 here, uh, 1838 Portage Avenue here in Winnipeg. Alright, we'll get more on the locations for Red Bomb and all that stuff after traffic and weather up next. Matt Bialik is here. We're talking about fireworks. It's Canada Day on Saturday. Canada's 150th birthday. Fireworks a big part of any long weekend here in Canada. In fact, I think back in the day, we used to call Queen Victoria's birthday Firecracker Day. Oh, yeah. You bet. You must be an East Coaster or, or an Easterner. Not in no? any way. That's just what we called it. I don't know where it came from in our family because I mentioned it in the newsroom coming up uh, to the May long weekend and everybody kind of looked at me, Firecracker Day, well, what is that? So I don't know where we imported that from because we're, we've been in the prairies since like uh, 1864. So I don't know exactly where it came from, but uh, yeah, this is a big part of, of the celebration without question for so many people. And I'm hoping, I just heard a, a cut in there with, with weather. There better not be any rain. I don't have a stick long enough to reach over the table here. Oh, we Hey, we are not in charge of the, of, of the weather, just giving the bad news. The in forecast fact, for Saturday night is clear. Oh, that, the, the long-term forecast is clear. For there Saturday. we go. And you said that with a straight face, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally clear. I can happily, Saturday night clear and down to 12 degrees. He would uh, not fib to you, Matt. Matt is uh, president of Red Bomb Fireworks. And even though obviously you want people to come see you at your locations, and we'll get to those in a moment, but there are a couple of big fireworks shows in Winnipeg on Canada Day. Can you tell us where they are? Actually, there are a couple. Um, if you're in town, uh, definitely head down to the Forks or Cinnaboyne Park. Both of those uh, locations have tremendous firework shows. Cinnaboyne Park usually has a bit more room, so their shells burst a, a bit bigger, bit bigger show. Uh, and of course, uh, you're not as cram packed like a sardine at uh, at the Forks. Head down to a Cinnaboyne Park for for the best of the two. If you have uh, some time, make a drive out to Selkirk, uh, our hometown. They've got a massive firework show that's billed as the uh, biggest in apparently eastern Manitoba. Oh. Right on. Right on the waterfront. And I see that there's going to be a free concert by Harlequin, is that correct? You bet. We like to party hard out in Selkirk. <laughs> so you, you can't go wrong with Harlequin and, and fireworks. Uh, I think I just changed my plans for Saturday night. It sounds like a good time. You have uh, also, I, I mean, these packages you're telling us off the air, there's something different about them, and it has to do with the way that uh, they're, is it uh, distributed? We actually, uh, this year, uh, at Red Bomb Fireworks, have brought uh, our assembly functions from China over to Canada. We're one of the only companies now in Canada manufacturing, or, or should I say, uh, assembling in Canada. The fireworks themselves are still made in China, but we've elected to bring all of the assembly of our family packs to Canada using Canadian resources, uh, of course, the human capital, and basically boxing up your favorites for Canada Day and, and New Year's and beyond. So wow. this isn't just a storefront operation for you, you are... You, you're, 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 you're a player in this game. I'm actually from our distribution end. Uh, I'm the, the less traveled, so to speak, uh, not, not the smile on the Red Bomb brand. I'm from our distribution arm, and uh, we do distribution right across Canada. And uh, we've got uh, probably about 3,500 retails that we, we do distribution to in the country. And, of course, Manitoba, we're centrally located, awesome location for, for distribution. 
Well, Red Bomb Fireworks, four locations, uh, open extended hours this Canada Day, 1838 Portage Avenue in Winnipeg. That's not far from here, right? No, just a stone's throw. We'd uh, be glad to see you down there, Brett. And you're on the, uh, I think it's the south side of Portage, yeah? Uh, south side of Portage, you bet. Okay, 609 Greenwood Avenue in Selkirk, and then uh, express bus locations in Dufresne and Birds Hill. The website, once again, redbomb.com. Matt Bialik is president of Red Bomb Fireworks. And uh, thanks for visiting, Matt. It's always no a pleasure to talk to you about fireworks. I mean, who doesn't... It, I shouldn't say who doesn't like fireworks, because I remember the first time when I, I my parents took me to a fireworks show, I was like four or five, and I was a little crybaby and had to go sit in the car because it was too loud. What a <laughs> suck. <laughs> We've got Canada flags from people like you, Brett. <laughs> Weather is up next. I'm Brett. He's Greg. We have stuff to give away. So earlier... Today, Hal was giving away passes for Granite Hills Golf, and now we have passes to give away for golf for Pinawa Golf nice. Club. Nice. Didn't have... you play there on Sunday? In fact, I did go out and play golf at Pinawa, and, uh, you know, like, it's hard to think of a lovelier spot to go and play really bad golf than uh, Pinawa. <laughs> I made a mess of that course, but I was quite happy to do so because it had been a long time since I've been out there. So it's uh, northeast of Winnipeg, about an hour and a half from downtown. So it's just over an hour from the perimeter. And uh, it's a great course. Can't recommend it enough. So the question for today, who won the PGA's Travelers Championship in Connecticut yesterday and under what circumstances? I need you to tell us how the victory was made. Tell us a story, basically. Indeed. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. 204-780-6868. Who won the PGA's Travelers Championship yesterday and under what circumstances? In the meantime. I'm calling right now. I want to golf at Pinawa. <laughs> Although I thought you'd really try to outdo Hal and, you know, have tickets for Pebble Beach or something like that. Well, well yeah. That's our sales department. <laughs> we'll call those guys and gals out. I don't think... Pinawa's got uh, Pebble Beach beat. I, I really enjoyed that course. So, wow. Yeah. That made an impression on you. It did, yeah. It was just so nice and quiet. It's all kinds of deer. It's lovely. We have this conversation all the time, Brett and I. It's like, why is there not like a bus trip that you can take where you can play Falcon, Pinawa, Granite Hills, all in the course of about 36 hours? Uh, I'd be in for that every single time to let somebody else take care of the driving and actually... T- do all the drives off the tee for me as well. Mackling and McGarry <laughs> Golf Tour 2017. I can see it now. Oh, my gosh. You just hatched another brilliant yeah. idea. I Kelly, love it. The <laughs> M&M Tour. The, uh, 3M. You might as well come along. <laughs> well, the way uh, the way Hitman's talking about, or sorry, the way McGarry is talking about uh, <laughs> Penawa. I'm in, baby. I'm in. Have you never been? I'll hit the deer, but <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> one of them was crossing the the fairway at one point, and I thought, well, there's no way I should hit this deer because. Yeah. But I almost, almost did. They thought they I, were safe in the middle of the fairway, yeah. didn't they? <laughs> they didn't know who was on the tee. One of the best videos ever on Twitter was the vision of Timu Solani taking his golf clubs and unceremoniously <laughs> throwing them into a water hazard and basically saying, I'm back. Foreign Bob Murray. <laughs> One more year. <laughs> One more year. That's how Timu oh. Solani announced his final season in the National Hockey League. And today, in his very first season of eligibility, the Finnish Flash is a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. And Kelly, you and I have such fond memories, and uh, Brett, I suspect you do as well, of uh, the Winnipeg Jet 
1.0, the finish flash, not only his rookie season, but right up until that fateful day in February of 1996 when he headed to uh, to the desert as uh, part of one of the worst trades in National Hockey League history. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just remember this very vividly, and I didn't have the opportunity to see Timo during his rookie year, nor did I get the chance to do the Jets when Dale Howarchuk was the captain of the hockey club. But Timo made a lasting impression on me, rookie broadcaster, don't know a soul. I'd been in, I'd been on the job for five days, and then we had to go to Helsinki to training camp that year. And so my wife, and at that time, two young daughters are in the Winnipeg Interna- Winnipeg Airport. Timu comes up to them shakes their hands and introduces himself as if he has known them for life. What other superstar does that? He separated himself in a lot of ways in this community. And of course, you remember the 76 goals from his rookie season, but there aren't too many hockey fans that had interaction with Timu that don't have a story similar to yours. Kids on Campbell street who would go up and knock on his door and he'd come out and play ball hockey with them. Uh, Stories that, that could, we could fill an entire hour of stories that have been translated to me. So it's not just a hockey player, but it's the human being that Timu Solani has always been. And so congratulations to him. Unfortunately, Jets fans, he will not be wearing a Jets Jersey when he goes in, he will be going in as an Anaheim duck because, Anaheim is like a second home for Timu, but he always remembers his time in Winnipeg very gracefully. And um, I, I think we can uh, we can celebrate heartily his oh, induction, but absolutely, yeah. just remember, he's going in as a duck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's nice for him too, Paul Correa, who spent a lot of years on his line in Anaheim after the trade, is also going in. A guy that I have a great relationship uh, from junior hockey and beyond, Mark Recchi, who won Stanley Cups with the Philadelphia Flyers, Carolina Hurricanes, and Boston Bruins, part of that class of 2017. Dave Andrichuk, another incredibly respected person throughout the hockey community, is going in. Uh, So what a class for 2017 that is. Daniel Goyette, a three-time Olympic champion. And then the two builders, Jeremy Jacobs, the owner of the Boston Bruins, who's been very influential at the Board of Governors at that level, but a guy who... I can tell you, every NHL coach will be standing up and applauding the induction of Claire Drake, the University of Alberta legend who won six CIS titles. A lot of people will know Claire Drake's name, but they will not know the legend and how influential he's been. Yeah. And you mentioned off the air some of the coaches that he's influenced. Yeah, Ken Hitchcock, Barry Trotz. I was trying to think of, you know, there are many, many others. But Andy those Murray. Are the two guys. Andy Murray's another one, yeah. Uh, guys that, that immediately come to mind that have been incredible coaches themselves, but they they look at Claire Drake as the absolute god of coaching. I have to ask you a question about Dave Anderchuk. Yeah. There's this story, this urban legend that Anderchuk can't skate backwards. <laughs> is, it, is, is it true? <laughs> Or marginally true that Dave Anderchuk is unable in, in or unable to skate backwards? Well, he never had to because he couldn't push him out from in front of the net anyway. So I don't know, uh, Greg. I'm not sure on that. All I know is is this guy played brave in an area where it's very difficult to to uh, to hang around in front of the net and did it so well for so many years. And, and again, when he won uh, the Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning, that was fantastic as well. So you know, I thought it would be tough for 2017 to top 2016 for the Hockey Hall of Fame. 
But uh, I, I think they might have done it with this year's class. Very exciting. And you mentioned Dale Howard, Chuck. He is going into the Winnipeg Jets yes. Hall of Fame as announced on Friday night by uh, True North and uh, and the Winnipeg Jets themselves. A celebration a lot of Jets fans will be looking forward to. Kelly, thanks for this. Appreciate your insight. Just let me know when the date is of the M&M Golf Tour to Pinawa. And where else were we going? Granite Hills into Falcon Lake. Woo! It's going to be a two-day extravaganza. Road trip! That's a good, that's a great idea, Kelly. I like it and good for for you, Greg, as well, for the suggestion. And G- good for J.C. Duvall, who has correctly answered our trivia question for today. Who won the PGA's Travelers Championship in Connecticut yesterday and under what circumstances? And the answer, Jordan Spieth hold out from the bunker on the first playoff hole to beat Daniel Berger. So, J.C. Duvall, you just won yourself four green passes for Pinawa Golf Club, which is once again maybe an hour outside the perimeter northeast of Winnipeg, a little over an hour. I was there yesterday. I can vouch this is a course you will want to play. It is sensational. This may have been a train wreck for you on the golf course mm-hmm. on Sunday. Uh, crash on Provence at uh, Des Murons, Des Murons en, en Anglais. Provence and Desmurons, uh, we have a crash. Oh, boy. That's another tough spot. 346 on 680 CJOB. We'll get the full traffic lowdown from Casey Gibb in two minutes. Doing my best to mess up these headphones for you, Julie. Sorry. You're doing They're a good job. here. What's going on? How are you guys doing this afternoon? Really good. Uh, quick question for you, and don't think about it. All right. Best jet player of all time? Uh, it's uh, Anders Hedberg. Really? Mm-hmm. Not even, it's not even close. I would have said Timu Solani. Yeah, it's not even close. It's Anders Hedberg. Timu's really? right up there, top three. But Why is Hed- Anders Hedberg Hedberg the best? was unbelievably don- dominant uh, when he went to the National Hockey League with the Rangers. He Different was era, so good. Maybe of his era, but well, I disagree with you entirely. Well, okay. Timu, without a, without wow. a doubt. Okay. So you said he's in your top three. Team was in your top three. So oh, absolutely. Who would your top three be? Oh, it would Hedberg? be. It would be for me. It would be Hedberg, Howard, Chuck, Solani. Yeah, for me, it would be the exact opposite. Solani, Howard, Chuck, Hedberg. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. It's pretty good and names I, on that I, list. And don't get me wrong. I love all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So why are we talking about Timu? Well, he's going in the Hall of Fame. We uh, had a conversation with Kelly Moore about uh, all the inductees. Uh, it's an exciting day. What else you guys com- got coming up on the news? Julie? Uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Joss Reimer. She's off the, the medical officer of health on the Suboxone and dealing with opioid addiction and uh, why it's so important to get that drug into the hands of some users and see if that can perhaps turn the tide. Ontario has introduced interesting legislation today to crack down on those that uh, basically take the reselling market on tickets. And uh, there's the, the approach Ontario is taking is being looked at by Manitoba and True North Sports and Entertainment. We'll get more on that. On the bots. Following the 430 uh, News here on 680. Frustrating for people when they want to and get to a show. And diss the beaver. I never diss the beaver. Canadians love the beaver, ketchup, chips, and much more. Some Canada Day poll information revealed. Okay. Beavers, I I know that it was, uh, I think, later revealed to be kind of a hoax or whatever, but that beavers documentary... That was uh, that's a great. What do you mean it was a hoax? Well, a lot of it was they 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 claimed it was shot in the wild and it was right. actually shot in a studio. I believe. No, some of it was. Yeah. Mm. 
Whoa. <laughs> the hidden talents of Richard Cloutier. Anyway. That was really good, man. <laughs> who's who in the hinterland? The hinterland I like it. Well who's done. Who. Wow. That was uh, that's beaver. a chill on my spine. I'm, I'm like uh, we the have the WSO in studio buck right now. Buck-toothed animal that prefers to live in a dam. <laughs> or in or in Richard's case, a uh, spin cycle studio. <laughs> For more information on the beaver, contact the Canadian Wildlife Federation. Fifty six Park Street, Ottawa. In Ottawa. Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, they have the news from 4 until 7. 56 Spark Street, that's totally right. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Julie. Well done. It was like she planned that. Uh, almost. No. No, just off the top of your head? Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Richard Cloutier, Julie Buckingham from 4 to 7. I'm Brett, he's Greg. Thank you very much for... Your efforts at Master Control, Jeff Forte, and thank you for listening to 680 CJOB.